It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing all right. I hope you're warm and cozy today. The uh, East Coast has been getting hammered by uh, storms, uh, even in the South. So uh, we're all joined, joining in the reindeer games of, of what we call winter today's show is being brought to us in part by sal's neighborhood pizzeria an italian restaurant located on saint simon's island in georgia check out the website www dot sal's neighborhood pizzeria no 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 <laughs> it's www dot sal's neighborhood pizzeria dot com yeah 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 that was right i was right about the couple of dots there were a couple of dots you know what pick up the phone and call them 912 2-8. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's to get an authentic Italian meal. And speaking of St. Simon's, don't forget to join us January 19th when Sal and I do our next Billy C. Boxing event. Um, we will be showing not one, not two, not three, but four classic fights that you guys will get be able to watch and be part of our live audience as we film uh, our next uh, revisited episode, we're going to put some food out for you. We're going to have a cash bar, and we're going to have some former world champions. We know Ray Mercer uh, is scheduled to come, and we'll keep you posted uh, next week on who else will be there. I know we've uh, received some emails and interest on that. Keep them coming. Go to cpalms.com and uh, make your plans today. It's a Friday night, but what the hell? Make it a weekend. Bring the family. What a great golf course they have at Sea Palms. There's a beautiful pool. There's so much to do on the island. Uh, make it. Our, well, we're billing it as our after-the-holiday holiday party. So, hey, everybody needs a break after the holidays, right? Come on down, as uh, Monty Hall used to say. I think it was Monty Hall, right? Come on down. Whatever. Uh, make your plans. And today's show is also being brought to us in part by... My book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where good books are sold. You can get a copy of it right now. While you're watching the show, just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Just get yourself a copy right now. <laughs> Uh-oh. What was it? I, I got to check the ingredients of my uh, non-dairy crema uh, because it's uh, been making me uh, a little... A little crazy lately. You know, I've heard bok choy salad do that. Hey, well, whatever. Hey, this is a boxing show, right? But uh, well, anyway, don't forget next week we won't be doing a live show on Tuesday. Um, and the following week, uh, 
We're going to be off from live show because I'm going to be in transit going down to St. Simons. So, hey, speaking of St. Simons, come on down earlier. Come on down earlier, earlier. Anyway, I got to stop that. Um, I want to talk about a couple of things today. We got an email to read. Um, you know, I, I've been thinking about um, an email we had. Uh, recently about comparing, uh, you know, 2017 to 1997. And we were all like, you know, jump of a joy uh, over 1997. And, of course, uh, last year, 2017, was a great year for boxing. But how good really was 1997? I'll talk about that in a second. Um, You know, I got uh, some other things I wanted to talk about. Uh, But one thing, you know, it it came to my attention uh, this morning in a very slow boxing week, um, that apparently there's some peoples out there who um, don't think Anthony Joshua is all that great. So, you know, I posed a question today. You know, is Anthony Joshua overrated or is he underrated? Um, I know uh, recently Eddie Hearn, his promoter, uh, made accusations that people underrate his punching power. Um, I'm not sure why people would do that, considering he's never lost a f- he's never won a fight without stopping his opponent. So I, I, you know, that has to demonstrate punching power. Um, but but do you think Anthony Joshua is overrated or underrated? Joining me right now from St. Simon's Island. Uh, my partner in crime, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, I ask you the question. Is Do you feel that Anthony Joshua is overrated or underrated? Oh, that's a question. Let me tell you. That's a question. I think Anthony Joshua, in today's, uh, to- well, in to- today's environment or times and, and, and era, as far as heavyweight contenders, I think he's rated pretty much uh, where he where he is. I think he's properly rated. I would dare to say that I think a fighter like a Larry Holmes would give him trouble. Uh, Muhammad Ali would definitely uh, outbox him and tag him. Uh, I, I think he would have trouble against uh, a George Foreman type. Uh, I think... Uh, the styles make fights. I could name a lot of fighters I think would beat Anthony Joshua, including, I think, you and I debate this and talk about it. I think Deontay Wilder has that crazy, as we had said on the, the, the news show before, for lack of a better term, that drunken octopus style of throwing punches. You could catch Anthony Joshua with that. He's a textbook, exact textbook, black and white fighter. And, and that's to his credit. He does it fundamentally sound with his defense, with his offense, and some of his ring movement. I think somebody with a little more speed and finesse might try to stay on the outside, pick them apart until they get in and land some big shots. That's just my opinion. I think he's properly rated today in a division that you do not have a plethora of, of big, big contenders. So, so... So after dancing around that question, you feel oh, that man. he's not either. You, you feel that he's not either overrated or underrated. You think where the the masses put him is is where he should be. For the times that he is fighting in today, I think he is where he should be because I like I said, I don't think there's too many other fighters heavyweight in in, in that division right now 
that can tell anybody else differently. Uh, I think, you know, Deontay Wilder, that's a fight we will have to see. And I think he is the one fighter that has a style that uh, is not predictable. Uh, and that I think the, uh, that Anthony Joshua has not faced just yet. And I think in his young career, because he is a young career, he's only had uh, under 25 professional fights, uh, less than that, that I think he's got a lot to develop and, and uh, show uh, as he keeps beating and knocking out these guys. I think he has a hell of a punch. He's very heavy-handed. But like I said, in today's era of heavyweight contenders, I think he is one of the best. And uh, uh, Deontay Wilder will prove that if he falls short of uh, doing anything else other than uh, beating Anthony Joshua. Um, all right. First that's of all, my opinion. First Bill, of all, my opinion. For, first of all, I, I, but I, I think there were a lot of heavyweights that could beat him, and I think the boxing machine, magic boxing machine, would probably show that. Um, for, first of all, <laughs> as far as Deontay Wilder, uh, the only way uh, you know, and some of the other names that you threw out there. Um, obviously, uh, we would need a time machine to to make yes, uh, you know uh, back that that opinion up or or, or not. It but 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 as far as Deontay Wilder, eventually, I, I believe we're going to see the fight. Now, this is the reason I think that Deontay Wilder is on the fraud side is because when you see him and the, the way it was put to us via an email and, and what you referenced a, a few minutes ago as far as the drunken octopus style, uh, which, you know, Deontay Wilder, they referred to him as. I look at it like this, Sal. I think that Deontay Wilder, because his level of opposition has been so low, I mean, I don't care how you try to spin it. He's fought nobody of note, not one fighter. I mean, the guys that you can put in there that we give him credit for beating, um, really, Chris Ariola, even though he was long gone, I give him that, and I give him uh, the the credit for beating um, that Polish fighter, Ator Spitzka. Uh, those two guys were were decent heavyweights, and, and I give. Deontay Wilder credit for beating those, but he did not beat those guys. He did not. He has not fought anybody that uh, really posed any kind of danger uh, to Deontay, with the exception of the first Bermain Stavern fight. They thought he posed danger. He being Stavern, and they fought a smart fight. I'm saying they, him and his trainer Mark Breland, him being Deontay Wilder, and they fought a smart fight, employing the jab, etc. But since then, and even we saw that in his rematch with Stavern, we know that Stavern is just a fat pig and a lazy guy who really should not have even been allowed no, to, never, to never. wear a belt, let alone no. be called the champion. Um, you know, and Deontay Wilder, that, that crazy octopus, drunken octopus style, is, I think, is a result of him having no respect for his opponent because they're not going to pose any threat. So he goes in there to take care of business, which is knocking him out. Anthony Joshua, on the other hand, to me, he displays more uh, ability in terms of boxing ability. Um, yes, he goes for the knockout, but he wears his opponent down the way you're supposed to. He breaks him down. You know, he's not going into fights 
saying this guy doesn't have a chance against me, I'm going to blow him away. He he respects everybody he goes in there and fight. And and let's be real, he's fought way tougher opposition uh, than Wilder. So, um, you know, I, I think that Anthony Joshua is just for people like you who say that Deontay Wilder even has a chance against him. I think that I would lean towards Anthony Joshua being underrated, not by me, but, you know, I, I, I think he's the real deal. Uh, but I think that some people that don't agree uh, with me are wrong. No. <laughs> Wait, who's this? Wrong. Teddy? Who's this, Teddy Atlas? Uh, no, but uh, I, I think that people that would disagree with me would feel that he's overrated. You know, I, I think he's underrated or exactly what you said, maybe maybe rated exactly how the average boxing fan looks at him. Um, but I think he's an important part uh, of the sport right now. Now, as far as you saying, I think he could beat Ali, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, you're saying he wouldn't have stood a chance with Ali or Foreman. Uh, you know, this is where I, I have to disagree. Not taking anything away from Muhammad Ali, the greatest, uh, self-proclaimed the greatest, George Foreman, who was a killer uh, in his uh, early uh, years, and, and all the other great fighters of yesteryear. Um, I, I'm not taking anything away, but I, I go back to the... A, a, a good big man will beat a good small man. And the difference is, is that Anthony Joshua is a monster compared to Ali. Ali was considered a monster at six foot three. You know, you're talking about. In his prime. Yeah, but you're talking about a guy that's got 50 pounds on him, 40 pounds on him, and, and another four inches, five inches. You know, I, I mean, in height, you're, you're talking about a, a, a guy that is so much bigger. It, it, it almost, to me, would be like watching, uh, this is going way back, but, but it's the vision I have in my head, watching Jack Johnson, the late, great Jack Johnson, fighting the late, great Stanley Ketchell. When Stanley Ketchell moved up from middleweight to fight Jack Johnson. If you ever watched footage of that, you would see it's a mismatch in, in size and height. I mean, what do you think? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a definite uh, good example, Bill. And uh, I, I don't think you could say that uh, Stanley Ketchell would be uh, as uh, representing a fighter as like a Muhammad Ali versus Joshua. I think, I think Anthony Joshua is a solid, sound, fundamentally solid fighter i mean he he's everything you want to see in a boxer elbows in hands up jab from the shoulder back to protect he he's fundamentally sound and i think what i'm trying to see or wait to see wait for is going to see when he's brought out of his fundamentally sound style by somebody that's going to take him or stretch him uh, uh a little bit differently that's going to have lateral movement that's going to try to to pick him apart or do that, break him down. Uh, it's going to have actually a strategy. Um, I, I'm not putting him down. Don't get me wrong. I think like I'm saying today, Anthony Joshua is probably one of the most fundamentally sound boxers today at any weight. Uh, he does things right. He's well-schooled. And I think that uh, he could remain a champion for many, many uh, fights yet in many, many years. I do think, you know, he's going to have to show how he can adapt or fight other styles and what he's been uh, facing thus far. I think, you know, he did a great job 
against Klitschko. He uh, he did a uh, uh, a great job of outboxing uh, uh, many of his opponents. But like I said, for some reason, I think Deontay Wilder is going to give him a little bit of a uh, a little bit of trouble and a different perspective or a different side of a of a fighter that he has yet to face. So uh, I'm not saying Deontay Wilder is going to beat him. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to knock him out. I am going to say that it's going to be a pretty good fight and it's going to be a style that Anthony Joshua has not yet faced, and that's all. Well, hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. We're over our time. I think somebody slipped Sal and Mickey or something. I don't know. He's not thinking clearly. We'll be back in two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And speaking of being with us, don't forget to join us. On January 19th, it's a Friday, on beautiful St. Simons Island at the Sea Palms Resort. Sal and I are going to be doing another Billy C. Boxing event. This one's called Our Holiday Party After the Holiday. Oh, no, no, no. After the Holiday Holiday Party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. I keep forgetting. After the Holiday Holiday Party. That's what we're calling it. Come on down Friday night. We're not going to show you one. We're not going to show you two. We're not going to show you three. We're going to show you four classic fights that we're going to rebroadcast. We're going to have some food for you. We'll have a cash bar. I know Ray Mercer is going to be there. Uh, we're working on some other former world champions. It's a great time. Call the C-Palms or visit the C-Palms website to call them, cpalms.com. Mention you want to be part of the Billy C uh, event on January 19th. It's a, it's a Friday night. Make plans for the weekend. Bring the family down. Play a couple of rounds of golf. Go fishing. Eat at Sal's. I got a whole itinerary for you. Just drop me an email, and I'll hook you up. Anyway, before we went to break, um, you know, you're nuts about thinking that Anthony Joshua uh, would lose to uh, Deontay Wilder, but um, I mean, in the heavyweight division, in the heavyweight division, we got punching power. So uh, anybody could win on any given day. But, you know, um, Deontay Wilder has not fought anybody of note. You can't convince me that um, a guy who has pretty much, uh, you know, been hand-fed cupcake after cupcake and does what he's supposed to do. And and by the way, he's even struggled against guys like Molina and uh, Dubois, or not Dubois, um, uh, Johan Duapaz. Um, you know, I, I mean, he struggled against those guys, and he should have put him away quickly. Um, no, uh, when and if Deontay Wilder fights Anthony Joshua, Anthony Joshua is going to school him. He really is. De- Deontay Wilder is going to come out like like you suggest, like a drunken octopus, and uh, he's going to be wild. He gets hit. Even these slugs that he's fought has connected with him. the The issue here. It, when and if they fight, it's going to boil down to one thing, Sal. One yes. thing only. Can yes. Anthony Joshua take 
Deontay Wilder's punch because Deontay's going to come in and he's going to land a couple. If Anthony Joshua can take those couple of punches, good night, Deontay Wilder. Because if, if Anthony Joshua can't take those punches, then it's going to be a huge upset and I'm going to be proved wrong. But don't count on it. Um, you know, uh, Deontay Wilder is tall, but at 220 pounds and, and virtually no midsection, and the fact that his build is like that, if this guy was a boxer, if he was dancing around, tagging you at will and controlling the, the ring and, and you know, moving in and break his, an opponent, breaking his opponent down, then coming in with the hammer and knocking him out, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't even be critical. I, w- I wouldn't even doubt that he would, uh, you know, give uh, AJ uh, not only a good fight but, but even beat him. But he doesn't do that. And, and he is athletic, but he doesn't do it. And, and Anthony Joshua has improved. Have you seen improvement with Deontay Wilder? I certainly haven't. I've seen improvement with Anthony Joshua. There's a big difference between those two. There, there, I agree with you. Listen, like I said, I'm not saying Anthony Joshua is going to lose to Deontay Wilder. I'm just saying that Anthony Joshua has not yet faced an opponent like Deontay Wilder with that kind of freakish style. See, Joshua's great. He, he's fundamentally, he's solid. He's sound. He does everything textbook. I'm, I'm telling you, hands are up, elbows the inside. He extends the punch, brings it back. He's fundamentally sound. He can cut the ring off a little bit. He's not the, the fastest guy laterally, but he's a big guy. So I'm just saying that Deontay Wilder, with his unorthodox style, if he's under the tutelage of Mark Breland, they're going to be specific and have a game plan, I would believe, not only game A, but game plan B, which maybe he may not even recall or remember if he gets hit with a Joshua punch. That goes out the window, like Mike Tyson would say. But the bottom line is I could actually see Deontay Wilder trying to move a little bit of lateral movement here, uh, hitting him with the jab from the outside, opening some things. And with that fundamentally sound style that Anthony Joshua possesses, I could just see one of those freakish looping out of punches from the heels and somewhere uh, else they come from that Deontay Wilder could deliver and possibly hurt or shock or stun Anthony Joshua. That's all I'm thinking. No doubt. He's got that chance. No doubt. Because the guy, like I said, you don't know what's going to come next. The the, the foot, the leg, that's the octopus style. And he just does that. And like I said, he hasn't – Anthony Joshua hasn't faced that kind of style yet. And and same thing. Deontay Wilder hasn't faced a guy at the level of Anthony Joshua. So it could be who used to say that? Good night, sweet prince. Was that Sal Marciano? Listen. You're gonna, you know, Anthony Joshua could land a right hand or a hook onto Deontay Wilder, and we're gonna see a good night, sweet prince. That's it. Listen, I it, can see it, Anthony Joshua knocking out with one punch uh Deontay Wilder. I don't see one punch knocking out Anthony Joshua. I agree with that. I see one punch knocking out Deontay Wilder. Um, I, I I also do see one. But I, I think Deontay Wilder does possess one punch knockout power even against a, a, a good opponent. But I think that that fight, when and if it happens, will boil down to who the better ring general is. Because if Deontay Wilder does come out and fight smart, and employ the jab, which we know he he can do. He he's done it. He's done it well when he went uh, the two times that he's he's done it. 
both fights against uh, Stavern. Uh, if he tries to employ the jab against AJ, it's going to be interesting, interesting to see what AJ does. Um, if AJ can control the ring and, you know, uh, cut the ring off and, and, and position Deontay where he wants him, it's not going to be a competitive fight. And likewise, if Deontay Wilder can, can use his feet, use his jab, and frustrate Anthony Joshua to the point where Anthony Joshua is either chasing him or putting himself in, in harm's way because he's spinning opposite directions and, and you know, is not uh, ring savvy enough to, 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 to you know, counter uh, a, a moving fighter if, if Deontay comes out like that, then the favor all of a sudden goes to Deontay. I mean, I, I can make the scenarios just like you can uh, of how yeah. Deontay Wilder can win. But my point is it's just not going to happen. I think at the end of the day, it boils down to experience, Sal. And we're not looking at the number of fights because clearly uh, Deontay Wilder has more experience in the number of professional fights than Anthony Joshua has. But when you look at the experience level of the fighters each of them fought, to today, you know, from point zero to today, um, Anthony Joshua has far exceeded the level of uh, opposition, higher level of opposition than Deontay Wilder has. And I think that that comes into play. And I also think that when a fighter increases his level of opposition, they get better. I've used the analogy a million times. And you take another sport like football. If the best team plays the worst team for 16 weeks and goes undefeated, are they the best team? You know, no, I don't think so. You know, you got to fight in boxing. You got to fight good opposition in order for you to get better. Deontay Wilder has not fought any good opponent. And his his level of opposition has been maintained by the powers that be that, that make the decisions for Deontay. So in Deontay's uh, defense, he hasn't even been given a chance to, to, uh, to improve. That, that's just my point. And when and if those two fight, I, I can't wait for them to fight, but when okay. and if those two fight, uh, it's going to boil down to who's more technically sound uh, one, uh, you know, from top to bottom, uh, you know, delivery of punches, defense, uh, movement, uh, ring generalship, the whole nine. And I have to lean towards AJ in that, Sal. I will also give you that. I think Anthony Joshua is more of a technician, uh, and that's what I'm saying. He's one of the most fundamentally sound boxers that you'll see today. He does everything right. Everything a trainer could instruct a young fighter to do what i'm talking about are the intangibles or the variables that a fighter has to adapt to as a second nature as an instinct uh that's what i'm not sure we're going to see from anthony joshua if he's going to be in that position we did see him with his instincts take over when he fought klitschko and that was a that was a big proving point that he could take a punch he could pick it up he could get off the canvas and he can come back to win. So, so let me let me ask you. Let, let me and ask I, you, and I respect that and appreciate that. Let me ask you one question as a follow up to that comment. Do you think that Vladimir that Deontay Wilder punches any harder than Vladimir Klitschko? You know, there's a difference, Bill. Not to evade the question, avoid the question. You got heavy-handed fighters, boom, or do you have Striking fast, hard punchers. 
you know, uh, or vice versa. You got heavy-handed fighters. Um, Klitschko is a heavy-handed fighter. Anthony Josh was a heavy-handed fighter. Deontay Wilder, even though he, he has got power, I think it's more from the snap, the leverage, the unorthodox style, and bringing the punches from, from his feet, anywhere, knees. And it's a whipping, it's a whipping power versus a heavy-handed thud. Um, so I, I, I think they both have the power that's capable of stopping the other, each other. Uh, so I, I, you know, it's a hard question really for me to, to, to so, say. So you, 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 my, my, again, I'm going to ask the question. Okay. Does Point. Deontay Wilder punch harder than Klitschko? <laughs> Cat got no, your tongue? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Me neither. I don't think when all is said and done, I don't think he does. Exactly. Me, me neither. And 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 that's my point. And, that and uh, you know, was that good answer, Dad? Well, no, no. But my point <laughs> is, my point is, is that you know I, we're all saying that Deontay has the uh, the the uh, you know punching power to knock out AJ with one punch and change you know make history, right? But you know we've already seen a AJ get crushed by <laughs> Klitschko. Drag his ass up, and, and and you know survive and come back and knock out Klitschko, and, and I'm not suggesting that AJ you know wants to do that you know get up no. off the canvas and and win especially <laughs> against Deontay, but when you look at that that was a learning experience I am yes, sure it was that's that he, experience but I'm sure that he's gone back and viewed the the tape on that punch how he got caught why he got caught and he tightened it up. Now we didn't get to see it in his last fight because he didn't fight, um, you know, somebody of Klitschko's caliber. Uh, but uh, but I, you know, I I don't know. Listen, when you weigh these two guys out and, and you 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 make the chart and you you put checkpoints on either side, um, at the end of the at the end of the checkpoint day, uh, AJ is going to beat Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder is is. Uh, He's he's a he's a guy that's been built up. He, he's he's a fraud. He's a fraud. That's all. I, I'm sorry. Listen and, to me. And and, and I, you know I, I know he's got punching power. And I know that any heavyweight, I don't care how good they are, you know, you're knocking him out. He's he's what is he? 39 and and oh with 38 knockouts. I mean, you know, it's impressive. But he's never fought anybody good, Sal. No, and and I will tell you this. You put it on paper, black and white, Anthony Joshua, no way should lose to Deontay Wilder. You put it on paper, black and white, a list of the pros and cons, Anthony Joshua is a solid sound fighter that should destroy Deontay Wilder anytime they face each other in a ring. Should, black and white, on paper. I agree. But there's the other variables that I think Deontay Wilder possesses with along with the punching power that may change the game. That's all. That's all I'm saying. And He's I, the one fighter that could do that. I agree. I mean, Deontay has the punching power to knock out AJ. There's no and question. And the freakish delivery. The guy's unorthodox. That's all I'm saying. But you got a fundamentally fundamentally sound fighter that's going to fight something like like uh, just wailing punches from all over the place and 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 you know trying to move side to side. You don't know what's going to. But, he, but who's he ready? But, You're going to prepare for it. But who has Deontay Wilder fought that's fundamentally sound? That was able nobody, to, to nobody do, of Anthony Joshua. Nobody, nobody. nobody. So, so, nobody. so, so his his game plan, with the exception of two fights, one uh, both of, of the being against Vern, has been seek and destroy. 
He's gone out to kill his opponent, to, to knock out his opponent with reckless abandon. That's his game plan, except for when he fought Stavern because he thought that Stavern was good. So he, he employed a fantastic... The, the first fight against Stavern was probably, uh, uh, you know, uh, one of the best performances from any heavyweight in terms of you know employing the jab and breaking his opponent down I mean he was he was great and you know I, I mean if he can do that against Anthony Joshua and listen like I just said a minute ago it's going to boil down to who is the better ring general they both possess power uh you know if you want to say that they're equal with with uh Anthony Joshua's you know, um, uh, f polished approach and and uh, Deontay Wilder's unorthodox approach. If you want to call that even the the fight, the punching power even. You want to you want to size even all of that stuff. You want to even everything up. It's going to boil down when and if they fight to who's the better ring general. And although we haven't seen either one of them have to uh, show that, because let's face it, the AJ fight against Klitschko, he showed some. Uh, that one round where he was totally gassed, you know, I, that was Klitschko's chance to finish him off. And I don't I think agree. that if he gets in, if he gets in that position against Deontay, Deontay will finish him off. Youth is yes. on Deontay's yes. side. Uh, you know, I mean, not that he's uh, younger than uh, AJ. I'm just saying, you know, Anthony Joshua can't possibly run out of that much gas against Deontay Wilder. But again, he experienced it and le and hopefully learned something from it. Um the fight has to happen. Uh, I, I just I, I think that Deontay Wilder is in a win-win situation. Even if he loses, uh, he's he changes the game for himself in terms of money making, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But at the end of the day, uh, Anthony Joshua is going to knock him out. He's going to he's going to uh, he's going to you know expose Deontay Wilder for what he is, and quite frankly, he's a fraud. And uh, you know it, it is what it is. You can't. You can't hand feed cupcake after cupcake, 39 cupcakes, and tell me you're the best fighter. I'm sorry. And, and you know what? We're going to see Anthony Joshua fight Joseph Parker. I know, I know. Uh, it's time. I got to take a break. But, but, but we are going to see Anthony Joshua. You got me. You got me. Anthony Joshua uh, is going to fight Joseph Parker. And Deontay Wilder is going to fight Luis Ortiz. Despite Luis Ortiz being 67 years old, it's still going to be the <laughs> toughest fight for Deontay Wilder. We're going to take a break, like Sal's reminding me, and uh, we will be back uh, in uh, in uh, two minutes. Billy C will be right back. Now back to Talking Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening 
to the Billy C Show. Don't forget to join Sal and myself January 19th. It's a Friday in St. Simons Island at the Sea Palms Resort. Sal and I are going to be doing another Billy C boxing event. This one is called After the Holiday Holiday Party. And uh, we want you to be there with us. Rub elbows with some former world champions. Uh, but more importantly, sit and watch not one, not two, not three, but four classic fights. As Sal and I will rebroadcast them for you. Uh, we have a uh, ballroom all set for you. We're going to have food there for you and a cash bar. So uh, make a weekend out of it. Bring the family and enjoy a couple of rounds of golf, the pool, uh, the whole island itself is just a beautiful place to hang out. Make your plans now. Go to cbombs.com. Tell them you want the Billy C. Uh, boxing event that's taking place on Friday, January 19th, and they'll hook you up with uh, special rates for that weekend. Um Sal, a couple of uh, days ago, uh, we had um, uh, one of our emailers was uh, comparing uh, 2017 with 1997, and he gave us a whole nice list of some great fights that took place in 1997. Um, you know, I, I started thinking about it, and, you know, although I don't want to get into an argument with anybody about the, the level of fights uh, that were mentioned and stuff, I, I started thinking about, you know, how it really is in the sport of boxing and how we always take um, the previous generation or the previous era and look at it as being better than the current era. It, it always seems like the current crop of fighters are never as good as the ones that took place previously. A good case in point is a lot of people refer to the 1980s as the last great era of boxing. However, I've admitted many, many times that if you would have come up to me in 1985 and said to me, hey, Billy, because I wasn't Billy C. yet, uh, hey, Billy, uh, do you think that you're witnessing the last great era of boxing? I would have laughed at them. And I would have said, you think this is a great era? How about the 60s? How about the 70s? How about the 50s? How about the 40s? How about the 30s? I would have kept going further and further beyond. And, you know, yet as time went on, the 80s came into, uh, you know, a, a clarity in terms of being a great era. Well, we had a, con uh, a, uh, a email that was comparing 1997 with 2017, obviously 20 years difference. Never in a million years, Sal, would I have thought that somebody would have went back and spent the time to dig up the fights that, that he did in 1997 and compared them to the fights in 2017 never have i looked at the 90s as being a good not, not even, forget about great never even looked at it as being a good era but you can always find eras from the past that you know had some great fights but i think one thing is in common sal and that is the old line that says as goes the heavyweight division so goes boxing what do you think I think it's correct. I think it's spot on, as we say. But I, I will tell you this. Um, you know, the 80s, it was a magical era. It was a great era. I was glad to be a part of it, proud to be a part of it. Uh, but then you could look at the 70s, and you had more heavyweights in that division that, and that during the 70s that, can, that would have all been champion today. Um, it, it's just a matter of splicing it, looking at it, and dissecting it, and Looking at it, I mean, we, we, we as humans, that's the, that's the fight in us. We always want better. We always compare. 
to what could have been better or what could beat this, what can top this, what can match this. And, you know, last year we had a great year in boxing, great year. And where do you look at it from? Uh, what other year matched last year? Well, 97 may have may have done that because it's been a long drought. And, uh, you know, whether we wait a decade for another great year, I don't think we're going to have to do that. I think boxing is going to have to put it up or shut it up. And I think the fights that will come out and uh, wind up being given to us this year will also uh, be a residual of what happened last year. Like I said, I think boxing reboots itself every once in a while. And it's not a it's it's a cycle. It's not how many years that matter, but when, when the plethora of fighters that come into contention, that come into champions, that have a little personality, that give something special to the sport, that fight for 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 more than just a uh, just a purse, for the passion, for the legacy, for whatever, those are the special fighters that help stamp boxing as being the sport that it is. Well, when I when I look at the heavyweights, and and you go, if, if you start in the 1900s. Uh, early 1900s, you know, you got James Jeffries, who I couldn't think of his name yesterday. I, that haunted uh, me J. all friggin' day. J. All friggin' day yesterday. I was like, I J. can't J. believe I went I blank. James Jeffries. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. But uh, you had James Jeffries and, and followed by Jack Johnson in the early 1900s. A lot of people think that that era of heavyweights was one of the greatest ever, surpassing some of the other uh, uh, eras that I'm going to get into. Uh, but but in the early 1900s, we also had some other great uh, fighters in lower weight classes. But, you know, uh, Johnson Jeffries uh, pretty much controlled it, and boxing was, was huge uh, at that time. In the 1920s, you had Jack Dempsey. Jack Dempsey was, a, a fa- first of all, the fans didn't like him at first and then loved him. And then he went on to be a fan favorite well after his career. He got into promoting. He was very successful at uh, Jack Dempsey's pub, uh, pub in, in the city, in New York City. Um, he was uh, an exciting fighter. Uh, uh, you know, and, and boxing was, was huge. In the 30s and 40s, you know, you had Joe Lewis. You know, Joe Lewis was was a dominating heavyweight, and so was the rest of the sport. Another, uh, you know, in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, I mean, boxing was was uh, every town had a, an arena that that yes. put up boxing. You know, you you had you had fights that and fighters that became um, uh, well known in their towns, and then we created rivalries from town to town, city to city, state to state. You know, and it just it was it was a great thing for the sport of boxing. In the fifties, you had Rocky Marciano. A lot of people felt that the fifties was a was a lull uh, in the sport. Uh, you know that the heavyweight division was was not that great, but you still had that. It was it was uh, you know an era where things started to change. You know, we still saw a lot of fighters uh, that were in small that were smaller for heavyweights, and they were moving up. You know, uh, uh, a guy that. Uh, uh, comes to mind, uh, you know, great uh, lighter fighters that that moved up. You know, Billy Kahn uh, was uh, was one of those guys, a lightweight that moved up and and fought in the heavyweight division. You know, Ezra Charles was a great middleweight who was a great light heavyweight who was a heavyweight world champion. You know, so I mean, these kinds of guys 
but but you know the sport started changing a little bit when you had the 60s and 70s you had Sonny Liston you had Floyd Patterson you know followed by uh, Cassius Clay who was later known as Muhammad Ali but look at all the other guys that were in that division at that time the Joe Frazier's and George Foreman's and then the Ron Lyles and the Ernie Shavers and, and uh, you know, the list goes on and on and on. The Quarry Brothers, you know, I mean, there was just so many dance partners and we had uh, another resurgence of heavyweights. And, and then the late 70s, early 80s, Larry Holmes, you know, followed by Mike Tyson, the late 80s, early 90s, followed by Evander Holyfield, you know. And then as we hit into the late 90s, early 2000s, what do we get? We get an aging Lennox. I mean, we get an aging of uh, Vander Holyfield. Uh, we get Lennox Lewis, who was not an exciting fighter, even though he changed the complexion of the heavyweight division. And it's never been the same since. You had the Klitschko brothers, who uh, were dominating, but uh, they were very different. Uh, Vitali was was more exciting. He threw more punches. Vladimir was a cautious fighter. Uh, controlled the heavyweight division for a decade. But but nobody cared because he was he was boring uh, to uh, you know to watch, and you know you're in this stagnant uh, state. Now all of a sudden we see we got you know a, a discussion: Deontay Wilder, AJ, you know Joseph Parker, Luis Ortiz. I mean we got some names in there. The problem is is that they're not fighting each other. What made the '70s, late '60s and '70s so great? was that they all fought each other. And by the way, Sal, they fought each other multiple times. Now we yes. have to wait and beg and hope that we're going to get yeah. a fight that's going to happen. You know, we hope that that Wilder and, and AJ fight, even though everybody wants it. We hope that Triple G and Canelo have a rematch, even though everybody wants it, they may not. I mean, the, the, what's changed drastically is the willingness of the fighters, or 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 let's be fair, their teams or management to let them fight. That's the problem with the sports, Sal. You couldn't have said it any better, Bill. And 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 like like you said, I mean, like like I I'd love to see uh, Keith Thurman fight Earl Spence. I'd love to see see that's the whole thing. In those eras, fighters challenged themselves. They wanted to prove they were the best, so they sought out who's the best, who who who's the fans' favorites, who are who's rank number one who's this i want to fight him i want to fight him it wasn't something he had to wave too much money the money was great yeah that that lured him in too but the bottom line is you had fighters seeking out each other because they they wanted to prove they were the best leonard doing it to to, to Hagler, uh duran doing it to leonard uh you know it was so on and so on and so on uh hearns doing it to whoever <laughs> he would fight anybody and you know, this is what made those fights great and made these fighters even greater because they had a legacy. They had a reputation. They had they had something special that they were willing to put on the line, uh, including their lives, to go in a ring and give the fans what they wanted. And that's what was so unique. And a lot of it even, too, in the late 70s, that 76 Olympic team sprinkled uh, dust that, that carried the next generation. I mean, uh, those gold medalists, uh, including Sugar Ray Leonard, Howard Davis Jr., the Spinks brothers. Uh, you know, it was good. Evander Holyfield. It was good. It was a, it was a great, great era that, uh, you know, that we were fortunate enough to see the residual of uh, those amateurs that came became great professional champions. 
No, Hello? no you're right. Am I here? No, Am you're here? here. No, I was, I was, uh, interac- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was interacting. But, uh, I, you know, it, it, it all boils down to the dance partners. And the like you partners, said. You're so right. But, 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 but more importantly, what you said is, is, is um, I think, more true. The willingness of the dance partners to dance. Yes. They're there. Seeking out. We they got wanted them. to fight each other. We got the fighters out there today. We have the athletes exactly. out there today. We don't have the willingness. Because I, I just believe as a society we've become weak. And, you know, uh, boxing and, and, and all sport. I mean, I, I watch football and, and I see, oh, that's an illegal hit. Oh, that, you can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do this. Can't do that. You know, and it's like, what's happened? You know, oh, let's do away with the kickoffs. They're too dangerous. Well, why don't we just why don't we just outlaw the sport? You know, if you can't have the sport the way its original intent was, don't have it. You know, if people want to outlaw boxing, remember we were doing a show a couple of years ago. They want to change boxing, making hitting above the the neck illegal. You know, or or forcing fighters to wear headgear. I mean, yeah. come on, man. If it's gonna get like that. Forget about it. Just give everybody a, a, a participation trophy. We're all a bunch of pussies. Every everybody, you know, all, uh, this world, well, specifically the United States, has become a bunch of wimps. You know, and, and it's sad. You know, I, you know, you drive, uh, you go to work in the morning, drive by, and and take a look at at the kids at the bus stop. Oh, oh, that's right. You can't see the kids at the bus stop because if they're even at the bus stop, if mom and dad aren't driving them to school. They're parked and waiting in a cozy minivan watching videos until the bus gets there. You know, you go back 20 years and further, kids actually used to have to walk to the bus walk. stop. And they used to have to wait. You know, whether it rained or snowed or whatever, they were on their way to the bus stop. You know, now, uh, no, no, you don't want, uh, no, no, we'll drive you. You know, we, we live we live 100 yards from the bus stop. But let's hop in the minivan. We're going to drive you down to the bus stop. I mean, if that's not a reflection of how weak we got, you know, you, you bring a, a, you know, our, our youth today, and I talk about this all the time, our youth today, you know, it all starts with the participation trophy. Nobody, we can't offend anybody. Can't no, say that one team won and one team lost because that might hurt little Johnny's feelings. So everybody right. uh, gets a participation trophy. They hand coddle them all through grade school, all through high school, all through college. Okay, then we turn them loose into the working world, and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. you mean it's competitive out here? You mean you mean I have to do my job better than my coworker, otherwise he gets the raise and I don't? What's that? Oh, I need to take some time off. I'm, I'm, I, I can't take it. I'm mentally drained. Are you kidding me? That's, that's what the world is today, Sal. And it's no different in the sport of boxing. No, it's not. And 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 I agree with you. And and you know, I I I, I get a lot of that right here in Glen County, but. Uh, you know, and, and, and I remember when my kid was, my, my sons, when they were younger, playing in a soccer program. And it was a first real tournament that my son Sal was in. And uh, he was a young kid. And and they didn't get the gold medals at the end. And it was great because up to that point, everybody got the participation trophy. trophy. And, 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 and Sal goes to me and says, Daddy, how come I don't get a medal? I said, you know why? Because this is for the best. This is for the winners. You're going to have to remember that. To want to earn those trophies, those medals, those things that you want so bad, you're going to have to earn it. you got to beat the best. You're going to have to become the best. And from that point on, boy, I, I think that talk just straightened him out because he's been a performer. He's been an exception to the rule, and he, he strives for perfection, and he, he he's a winner. I'm proud to say that. But the bottom line is, do you think, 
if we were talking about the era that 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 you and I reminisce about the 70s and 80s in the fight game, do you really think that we would have to be praying and waiting for Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua to get in a ring together because we're we're waiting for promoters and matchmakers and everybody else to get together and get it? No, that's what I'm saying. These guys would have sought each other out, wanting to get in a ring together to prove that they were the best. And end the story. That would have been already signed, sealed, delivered. Same thing with Canelo Alvarez and uh, and Triple G. Do you think if they really wanted to fight, that anybody or anything could stop them? No. They would get in the ring. They'd sign the contract. They'd negotiate terms and say, boom, it's done. Signed, sealed, delivered. We're fighting there because I'm going to beat your butt and I'm going to prove to you I'm the best. And that's, that's the difference. That's the difference. Ooh. Okay, I need a sip Ooh. of coffee. You. you get them. You sick them, boy. You sick them. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's it's sad but true. You know, it's sad but true. You know, and, and it's the same thing as as yesterday's topic. Uh, you know, we were talking about WBA stripping uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux of a belt that he didn't even fight for when he lost to Vasily Lomachenko, and I I couldn't help but notice a comment that says. Basically, hey, Billy C., you're an idiot. You don't know why the WBA stripped Rigondeaux. They stripped him because he's not fan-friendly enough, so they want to get a better fan, a, a better fan-friendly <laughs> fighter as being a wow. champion. And I'm saying to myself, you know, what a bunch of idiots. If you're thinking that, you're an idiot. And the reason why I say that is because, yeah, of course we all want fan-friendly fighters. Uh, duh, right? But the truth of the matter is, since when should sanctioning bodies hand out the belt rather than having it won inside the ring. Whether you're fan-friendly or not, you put those fights in the hands of the judges. That's not a a relevant uh, issue. The bottom line is you should win or lose your world title in the ring. Now, if you give it up for some reason because you want to campaign at another uh, weight class or something like that, different story. But titles should be won or lost, Sal, in the ring. Hold that thought. I don't want to be late again. I don't want you waving at me, telling me I got to take a break. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. <laughs> There's Sal with his uh, mug. That's a pretty good-looking mug you got there, Sal. Uh, that's a Billy C. Oh, oh that's, that's right. A, that, that's what it is. Oh, I see. I that's, see. That's, 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 it. It. that's it. Look at that. Look at that. Hey, there you go. <laughs> huh? You speaking want a of, <laughs> Speaking of mugs, I uh, I got a lot of requests for uh, the mug that people see with the uh, uh, one of our logos, and uh, all I'm going to say is be patient. We're working on having them manufactured right now. So, um, I want one, too. I know. You got a mug. 
Um, yeah, as far as uh, Rigan Dow, the issue yesterday, um, you know, he was uh, stripped of his title. And when somebody said fan-friendly, uh, I had a laugh because, you know, that's half the problem. The sanctioned bodies are, are a, a, a big problem in the sport of boxing and their claws into the fighters. And then, you know, you, you, you add in the, the television networks who don't know a, a left hook from a fish hook. And, you know, they're, they're trying to bring fighters on that has a record that looks good for their viewers. And then the promoters, uh, you know, when you, when you add that third piece of the uh, puzzle together, the promoters who have, have just become lazy and, uh, you know, recycle fighters, keep these. I mean, Roy Jones Jr. fighting another fight, a last, a last, last, last fight. I mean, come on. You know, uh, I don't know. It's, it's sad. But uh, I got an interesting email that I wanted to read, Sal. It says, and this is from my man Augie uh, out of Riverhead, New York. That's uh, in Long Island. And he says, uh, hey, Billy C., I, I need your opinion. Why didn't Larry Holmes ever fight George Foreman? They were two greats, and they were at during the same time around the same age. Um, that's a really good question, uh, you know, because over time, I, I never was a big fan. I, I was never a big fan of Larry Holmes, ever. No, it was um, uh, you know, I just never liked him. I can't, you know, and, and for the same reasons I didn't like Lennox Lewis, because I can't stand fighters that look into a TV camera and demand respect. When boxing is the easiest sport to get respect from, all you got to do is perform. But that got me thinking, you know, we're going to be unveiling a new segment uh, right. next week on this show, Sal. And maybe that could be the first fight that we take a look at. George Foreman against Larry Holmes. Fights that could have happened that didn't. Uh, I like you know, it. I don't. Uh, we're going to discuss uh, uh, one last time tomorrow what how we want to formulate this, this new, yes. the new segment. Um, but initially, it was you know dream matchups uh, or fights that could have happened that didn't. Um, this is a fight that not only kind of fits both criteria, uh, a dream matchup, uh, but it's also a fight that could have happened that didn't. What's your thoughts? I love it. I think that would have been a tremendous fight. And, you know, you would have had the finesse and the boxing ability of Larry Holmes trying to move around and, and, and avoid Big Thump and jo uh, George. And uh, ultimately, I think Big Thump and George would have caught Larry. Uh, but we're going to have to see what the magic boxing machine might dissect and assimilate and, and give us. Uh, you know, there, there's multitude of fights. I, I, one of the fights I wanted to see, I wanted to see during that era. And I couldn't understand as a kid, when I was a young kid, why it would not happen. Was Kenny Norton versus Joe Frazier. You know, I heard stories, well, they were friends. They're not going to fight each other. But you know what? They never fought each other. And you had Kenny Norton and Joe Frazier. I thought their styles would make a tremendous fight. Hello? Well, I, 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 well you stopped so abruptly, I thought you were going to keep going. <laughs> I was going to go on. I was going to go on. I was getting for that second breath. I was taking that second win. Uh, but I'm saving I, it for my, my I, I think I think that, you know, I mean – Larry Holmes That's never crazy. seemed to, in my opinion, Larry Holmes never seemed to duck anybody except for no. George Foreman. George yeah. Foreman, you know, there are two versions of George Foreman. Yes. The George Foreman, well, actually three. Actually three. Uh, the first George Foreman was the killer 
George for him. Nasty. He Sonny was, Liston he, persona. Oh, he, my God. He, he was he was like a, a bigger version of Sonny Liston. Yes, and, he was. And uh, he was mean. He was nasty. Me. Uh, you know, and he busted out onto the scene after the Olympics and just was destroying people. And, uh, you know, people were afraid to fight him. I mean, he, he destroyed Joe Frazier. You know, I mean, a, a guy who... He lifted you know, Joe Frazier up off the off his feet with an uppercut. Then then there was the version of, of George Foreman that lost it. It's almost similar to, to Mike Tyson. When Mike That's Tyson... Very when, when When Mike Tyson was unbeaten before Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson, I, in my opinion, could have beaten any heavyweight during any era. But once he lost, and in the manner in which he uh, lost, um, uh, you know, being knocked out or what have you, um, it, the, the, the fear factor was, uh, was over. He became and, unraveled. And, yeah, and, and he wasn't the same fighter. The fear factor from other fighters, um, yes. you know, uh, that, um, uh, that, was, that was an issue. And I think the same thing happened with, with George Foreman. I but believe George, and, and I think it affected both of them mentally because George Foreman went on to lose again. Then he retired for a decade. And when he came back, he was a different um, George Foreman. He learned how, uh, he learned how you know, to, uh, uh, to, to use the media. Uh, he, he, uh, uh, he was a guy that, that kind of copied Muhammad Ali a little bit uh, with the with the showmanship, um, you know, eating cheeseburgers. Remember, remember when he was coming back? He's going, yeah, this yeah. is my training. You know, I'm eating cheeseburgers. You know, he's making fun of his own physique, but but he still could fight. And he learned, you know, the first version of Joe Fre uh, George Foreman. He didn't know how. To, everybody was scared of him. He's ornery. He was meat. Then the second version was a beaten George Foreman and had to walk away from the sport. Then the third George Foreman was the guy who learned how to balance it all out. You know, the handle himself. the media. Right. Humble himself. Uh, you know, win the fights, move on, and so on and so forth. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I mean, it happens. Um, but uh, getting back to the original issue, Larry Holmes against George Foreman, uh, if they fought both in their prime, if we saw George Foreman prior to his loss to Muhammad Ali, uh, I I don't know. I think George, George Foreman, Foreman beats George Larry Foreman. Holmes. George Foreman would knock out Larry Holmes. You know, I mean, Larry Holmes, uh, the only time I ever saw him really get knocked out bad was when he fought Mike Tyson. But then again, you got to say, well, Larry Holmes was an old man at that point. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, But like I said, I, th I think that Larry Holmes, and, and let's not forget that George at that time, when Muhammad Ali caught him, he definitely had a suspect chin in that sense. Uh, but I'll tell you what. I think that uh, Larry Holmes uh, would be uh, a brilliant boxer, but I just think that George Foreman with his, again, heavy hands, like clubs, like sledgehammers, breaking you down, coming at you. I think Larry Holmes would have done a great job trying to keep him off at bay as, as far as he could or as long as he could, but ultimately I know George Foreman wasn't a ring dummy either. He could cut off the ring and do things, and I think ultimately his power would break down Larry Holmes, and he would have caught Larry Holmes with a heavy blow, and I think I think it would have been stopped the fight. Yeah, that's uh, how I see it. I like to see what the magic box machine tells us. Yeah, the magic box machine. <laughs> but uh, I I I don't know. You know, I mean, this is this is exactly what uh, some of the things we're going to be doing, breaking it down from a st statistical standpoint, and then of course uh, add our opinions. But uh, 
uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, on that. But uh, hey, listen, uh, just uh, just to remind everybody one 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 more time, next week we are uh, off on Tuesday, and then the following week we're off, uh, and and we'll be back uh, on uh, I, I believe it's the twenty third or no, I'm sorry, it's the twenty. 24th it's a it's a Wednesday um because I'm going to be traveling um back and forth from uh uh to St. Simon's and and we want you to come down and join Sal and myself um yes we have an event on Friday January 19th at the sea palms uh which we want you to attend but come on down a little early make sure you got some time to go uh ex- you know explore uh, Sal's restaurant and the delicious food that he uh, has on a daily basis there and uh, see what we're always talking about. And then don't forget, bring the family and enjoy your time on the island itself. A lot of stuff to do. And, uh, of course, uh, if you're a golfer, there's no better golf course uh, than the Sea Palms Resort. I mean, it's a PGA-rated course. It's the, the whole the whole facility is built around the golf golf course, you know. So uh, you can't uh, you can't debate I think that. Twenty seven holes. Twenty seven yeah, holes. You can't. Uh, that's a long game. But uh, you a, can't. Well, I mean, you don't play all no, twenty seven. You play the front nine, the second nine. You know, you do that. You divide it up, back nine, whatever. I got it. And and don't <laughs> worry. You, you, no, you, nobody wins or loses. I don't know nothing about no, golf. Nobody wins or loses when you play Sal at golf. Everyone gets a participation Absolutely. slice of pizza. You know, every everybody gets a, yeah everybody gets a partition uh, partition participation participation slice of pizza, right? You and I should, you and I should play golf around the. Golf. I'm awful. Definitely. I, oh, I'm I'm. You know what? I I I can use the putter as a, as a pool cue, and I I could probably have a better look with that. Hey, but, hey uh, listen, I, sh- I I I'm terrible. Although I I did shoot a a, a sixty nine one time. No way. Front nine or back nine. Well, it was only it was only an eight. It, it was it was only it, I, I only played nine holes, but uh, but still, you know. But uh, uh, anyway, um, don't forget to join us on uh, the nineteenth. Uh, we are going to have some uh, fun down there, like always. We know Ray Mercer's coming. Uh, I don't know who else uh, will be there, but uh, uh, we're working on that right now. So uh, it's tough this time of year. Uh, everybody uh, is you know having that holiday hangover, and that's why we're calling it are after the holiday holiday party. So make sure you get a hold of cpoms.com, get the phone number, and tell them uh, you want to uh, be involved with the Billy C event on January 19th. They'll give you uh, a discount rate for uh, your lodging. Um, on this day in boxing history, Sal, uh, in uh, 2002, Leonard uh, Doria, I'm sorry, uh, wins a 12 round. No, uh, wins a 12. It's tough when you can't read your own writing. I, I got to start writing with my hands instead of my feet. But uh, anyway, uh, wins a 12 round decision of Raul Balbi uh, to win the WBA World Lightweight uh, title, and that took place in Texas. On this day in 1931, Benny Bass wins a 10 round decision over Lou Massey to retain his World Junior Lightweight title. It took place in Philly. On this day in 2002, Artur Gregorian stops Rocky Martinez in the eighth round to retain his WBO World Lightweight title. It took place in Germany. And on this day, sad note for me, on this day in 1971, one of my uh, favorite all-time fighters and one of uh, uh, the best heavyweights uh, of all time and uh, a lot of... Uh, 
uh, stories about this guy and how good he was despite uh, uh, losing two uh, uh, high-profile fights to uh, Muhammad Ali. Um, Sonny Liston uh, was found uh, dead in his uh, uh, condo on this day in 1971. And, um, you know, he was on his way uh, back uh, again, uh, making a comeback, and uh, he was found uh, uh, dead under very suspicious circumstances. Yes, we um, say that. And uh, to tell you the truth, uh, there's a lot of versions of, uh, of the stories, uh, but the one that I believe you could see mapped out for you in a book, and not that I like to promote anyone else's books <laughs> other than mine, but, uh, uh, but uh, The Devil and Sonny Liston. Uh, was a uh, uh, a great uh, uh, version of uh, the whole story of Sonny Liston, how he died, why, all those things. Uh, so if you've never read that, uh, get yourself a copy. But uh, anyway, hey, listen, if you're on the East Coast, specifically in the North, stay warm this weekend. It's going to be brutally cold, dangerously cold. Um, I know where I'm at, uh, the temperatures uh, tomorrow are going to be around 20 below. And then we have a a wind chill. Uh, So some of the temperatures uh, where I'm at uh, are going to be, you know, as low as 60 below, including the wind chill. And I know um, down towards New York City, uh, it's going to be very cold and with wind chill be someplace uh, around 20 below. So it's going to be a cold weekend. So if you don't have to go out anywhere, don't. Um, But uh, all I could say is this. Make sure you tune in Monday morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.